0: Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to The Voice of the Valley. I am your host, Jeremy Pinch, and this morning we are going to be talking about medicine and the sovereignty of God, and I figured what better way to talk about medicine and the sovereignty of God than having two doctors with me here this morning. So I have Joe Vickers. Good morning. He is a doctor. Correct. Family practice. (laughs) Family family practice. And then we have Dave Palmer, who also is a doctor. Good morning. Uh, Yes, we are here to talk about medicine and the sovereignty of God. So thank you guys for for coming in and, and talking with us this morning. You're welcome. You're very welcome. So you guys, you both have a unique experience to see God's creation in a way that most of us do not. What are some things that that cause you to glory in God and His creative power when you are when you are looking at the human body?
1: I think really seeing the intricacy of the human body is pretty amazing. Think about Psalm one thirty nine fourteen that we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, when I was in medical school 20 years ago, there was a ton of information. It was really complicated and I can only imagine how it is now with knowing more about the human body and, um, and biochemistry. Um, I have a poster up in my office that, um, is entitled metabolic pathways and it shows how different bioorganic molecules can change. And you've got the Krebs cycle and things go from one thing to another. And now we know even more and more than when I got this poster he has In the, that in the mid-1990s. I, I,
2: now I know he has a poster of that. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, I have nightmares of that. <laughs> so it's, it's
1: bad when I have to go there to, to reference it, you know, during a clinical you know, question during the day. But it's amazing how intricate our body is. And often I can kind of reference that with someone and when I'm talking about a disease process or part of the body and say, you know, we're created, you know, this way. So I can kind of allude to that often mm. with, with patient visits. Mm.
2: Yeah, I agree. So, so the cellular mechanisms are phenomenal, and, and it's just exciting to even read about that stuff. But in clinical practice, um, some examples I was thinking of include when somebody's low on a particular vitamin, on iron or something like that, the body automatically wants it. The body, the way God has made us cellularly, is to absorb more iron next time we eat iron or B12, or anything like that, um, I was reminded that, that just the intricacies of the DNA molecule and the reality that each cell in our body has six feet of DNA, if you were able to unwind it, and we've got trillions of cells, hmm. and, and I had to look it up, but yeah, that equates to like 10 billion miles of DNA in a typical human body. Hmm. That kind of data is phenomenal and causes you to bow before a creator, who made that yeah. with his breath yeah yeah phenomenal it's pretty amazing yeah
0: I remember I watched a I watched a YouTube video like last year or something like that and it started with you know planet earth and it started making its way out to the biggest thing that we know in the universe which is you know this massive planet but then it started making its way backwards and it started making its way into the human body mm-hmm. it's like what we see in the universe is spectacular but then you start getting into the intricacies of the of the human body it's just fascinating
2: yeah both directions are amazing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so there there's
0: there's um extreme theological backgrounds that would would teach that you don't need medicine i was I as part of a background that that Said you just need to have more faith. You don't need medicine. You just need to have more faith. Uh, being doctors who believe in the sovereignty of God, how do you respond to somebody who who says something like that? Somebody who comes out of a theological background that might say, "I don't, I don't need medicine. I, I have faith that God will heal me." What do you say to something like that?
1: I think God often ordains the means of medicine, and Pastor John um, referenced that a few weeks ago when he talked about picking up a paintbrush, hmm. that if you want a room to be painted, it may be that you're ordained to do it and you need to pick up a paintbrush. Um, if I have uh, someone in a clinic and I'm talking about safety, I don't ask if they've ever had a car accident before, and if they have, then to start wearing a seatbelt. I want them to wear a seatbelt anytime they're in a car. Mm. And that's, I think, good wisdom, and that's something God-ordained to, to be doing. So there's things where we're tools that we're God-ordained to do different things with our health.
2: And I appreciate it when they come at me from a theological standpoint. If they already have a claim to faith, um, sometimes I'll point out you know, that Paul had a weakness, right? He had a thorn, and he clearly had faith. And henceforth, faith does not equal cure um i teach sunday school for preschoolers and just within a six-week course we we taught about how jesus used spit and mud and took away one man's blindness and another man it was just faith and immediately he was healed Mm -hmm. um showing that yeah faith is critical and god can do amazing things but sometimes god does use means to his end and sometimes that mean is modern medicine um more frequently than either of those, mm-hmm. I bring up the, the, the philosophy that if, if you buy into the Westminster, Westminster Catechism, um, that our purpose, God has put us here for, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. When you are suffering with mental disease or physical disease, you are impaired from doing that to your fullest. Mm-hmm. And so to do whatever you can do and often it's diet and exercise, sometimes it's medicine. When you can do whatever you can do to increase your capability to glorify God and enjoy Him, that is consistent with God's plan,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? Now at the same time, so I don't usually use this one by the way for, with, with my patients, but I remember being taught once that the um, word in Greek, the word in Hebrew translated into the Septuagint Greek um, for sorcery or witchcraft, is like pharmaco-something. It's basically mm-hmm. a druggist is a sorcerer if you interpret it that way. Hmm. So you take that wherever you want to take it as well um, because I think I've heard people take it that way, um, that, that literally this is not God's plan. So so you guys are saying that God uses uses,
0: in His sovereignty, He uses medicine as a way of
2: bringing glory to himself. Would you say that? He certainly can. Okay. And he can through medicine improve people's health and their goal being to glorify God and to love their family and to provide for their family. That can be done through modern medicine. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you can say, make someone more well, I think about, Um, a famous hand surgeon who's retired, Dr. Paul Brand, and he was a missionary overseas and worked with leprosy patients, Hmm. and how he could restore people's hands to be doing what they were called to do. Hmm. And that certainly would be glorifying God.
0: Hmm. Now, we we live in a world that doesn't like to define sin as sin. They avoid that word. And I, I think we know of cases in which people are prescribed medicine um, in such a way that hinders um, somebody from coming to a reality of what they're actually doing is sinful. Is, is there is there ways that modern medicine
2: can, can hinder a Christian's walk in any way? I think that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. How yeah. so? Um, so the easy answer is things like pain medicine or anxiety tranquilizer type medicines, which quickly become can become you know a crutch, a stress reliever rather than going to the God of the universe, mm-hmm. going to scripture, they go to their medicine cabinet and pull out their pill bottle. Um, I think that happens all too often mm-hmm. and even even a little bit less severe than that is is the patient's the Christ-following patients who come and asking for a pill to make them feel better without coming to prayer, without coming to scripture, without asking for counsel from their pastor, etc. And I think that that is epidemic. Mm.
1: I think you can also be pretty healthy and maybe be arrogant or boast in that. So I might have someone who comes in and I'm going over their cholesterol results and, you know, they don't have diabetes, their blood pressure looks good. And there might be this, um, self-sufficiency or kind of arrogance or pride, or maybe this false security about their health. And so they could, um, kind of rest upon that rather than be clinging to Christ, Hmm. um, and that we need to hold loosely onto our, when we're blessed with good health.
0: Hmm. So, uh, I'm struggling with anxiety, so that's that's where I'm at right now, um, and I don't want to I don't want to push this too much. But is it what would be your recommendation if I'm I'm struggling with anxiety, and you know what's what's your recommendation as doctors first and foremost? Say okay, let's say this. I, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian brother. I come to you and say, you know, Dave, Joe, um, I'm really struggling with anxiety. What do you say what would be your response to a brother
1: first? I think I'd want to listen some more so I could ask other questions about that and how long has it been going on and what are things that you've tried for it or are there other kind of stumbling blocks with it? And I'd try to address other ways to treat the anxiety, whether that's through biblical counseling, Mm -hmm. whether that's with exercise, whether that's with kind of changing your focus from one thing to another, um, whether that's with nutrition. And then sometimes medicine can be an adjunct to that, Mm -hmm. but it's really not a a cure-all or a panacea for it. So um, often I want to see, is there something that's underneath or kind of a deeper problem? So someone has anxiety and that may be kind of a symptom. Is there something that's deeper that we need to get at Mm -hmm. to best treat the anxiety and also realize that, that the treatment could take could take a while and create expectations that are reasonable with how to improve mm. with it
2: i agree so focusing on those things and and focusing that we're on the same foundation of faith um i've done this more than half a dozen times literally write out a prescription on a prescription pad which is real difficult thanks to the computers now but i still have a prescription pad and i, I will write out psalm 103 that's tends to be my go-to mm. but psalm 103 read daily for seven days and see me back. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that gets them to focus on other than self-worry, concern, more on God, more on Christ. Part of my history taking, assuming again that I know that that individual is a brother in Christ, will include things like, you know, how often are you in your Bible? How often do you pray? Do you pray with your wife, for example? You know, are you a regular church attender? So a lot of that brings out really where the anxiety is coming from often. Yeah. It's, it's
0: just fascinating to, to think about this, um, from, from our, from a Christian perspective, cause it just seems like the world, um, wants to cover the problem, if that makes sense. Or, I mean, from your perspective, does, is that kind of what you guys, you guys see as just
2: kind of like a blanket covering of, of issues. They certainly want a quick fix. They often want an escape. You know, and it's the same thing with illegal drug use. It's the mm-hmm. same thing with alcohol mm-hmm. abuse. Um, mm-hmm. and sometimes even with, you know, other activities, over exercising or, you know, watching Netflix or fill in the blank as an escape. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the world mm-hmm. wants to not deal with mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well thank you. <laughs> I mean, that's that's I think it's good for us to be, to be thinking about these things in, in detail. And I'm glad that you guys are, you were discussing this with me.
1: And, and I think it's normal to have some anxiety as well. So sometimes it's kind of normalizing as far as I have this test coming up or something else stressful. Is sure. that going you know, to gonna help me to focus on this thing? So, sure. so I wouldn't say we need to have a stress-free or an anxiety-free life. It's kind of sure. maybe how, good point. um, how significant that is, how, how it's affecting other day-to-day activities. But I wouldn't create an expectation that we would get rid of all right. anxiety. Right.
0: right. So being doctors, um, uh, you guys are fully aware that our healthcare system is in complete disarray. Um, how do you navigate through this current climate as doctors in your practices? How do you guys navigate through that? And how do you encourage those who are pursuing a profession in, in the medical field?
2: I still think noble might be a strong word, but it's still a noble profession to desire to make a living helping people mm-hmm. and meeting them where they are, and at least in primary care That's where it happens in the exam room where you're talking to the patient about how their their life is being affected by this or that. And it certainly has more challenges than ever in terms of making ends meet, in terms of finding medication, in terms of jumping through insurance hoops. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's still very rewarding.
1: It it is very challenging, and it's tough when Joe and I went into medicine 20-plus years ago, kind of what we expected and what we're experiencing now are, are probably quite different. Hmm. Um, I heard a f- Christian physician describe that he didn't believe in purgatory until he worked with an electronic medical record. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of things that, that are barriers that we deal with now to providing care and having face-to-face time with people. I think when I try to look at the big picture of what um, of what we're doing and I try to um, kind of navigate people and kind of explain kind of how to navigate the system that can be helpful when i view my work as a ministry and there's a group called christian medical dental association that helps me to to view and see my work as a ministry um, that helps me be encouraged Um, as far as the next generation i try to help them to see that it also should be a ministry and really focus on relationships Um, that we wanted to to be uh, competent and compassionate, but really a strong focus on relationships and over time to minister to people and to bring them to a saving relationship with Christ.
2: Hmm. And along those lines, I mean, it is priceless. Where else do you get to spend one-on-one time with people who are often going through crisis, Mm -hmm. who will share their stressors with you openly, asking for help? Um, So it is pretty priceless. And I do remember one of the things that CMDS taught me back 20 some years ago, um, that stuck with me and it was the saying wig D. So W I G D just imagining as you're going into each room, what is God doing? Mm-hmm. So if you do that, the rest of it, including that dear electronic record, um, are less important. What is God doing? And it is, it is priceless time. So you guys, you guys mentioned this, this idea of,
0: you know, you're not just doctors like you are, you are grounded in Christ and what you're doing is to make Christ known and glorified through, through your work. So what are, what are some ways and you guys just, just touched on it a little bit, but what are some ways in which your profession is open up opportunities to, to present Christ to people?
1: Um it's it's interesting doing that um locally and doing that internationally as well. And just the couple of short-term medical missions I've been on. Um it seems like I have a greater awareness of what I need to be doing to pointing people to Christ and really taking more opportunities with that. Um often I like to pray with patients and I may phrase it as, would you mind if I prayed with you? And most people will will say yeah they don't mind or that's okay so that's um a great ministry Um, as i've wrestled with other dark times as a dad or in life Hmm. uh, or my own health that can help me in relating to other patients and share with them and that can be a, a time to minister um cmda talks about using what's called faith flags you kind of throw up this flag that kind of identifies you as a believer and people can kind of ask more about that. So if I have a parent who's coming in and are, are really wrestling with um, discipline, I might say, you know, boy, my wife and I wrestled this a lot. and It turns out the Bible has a lot to say about raising kids and, and discipline. Hmm. And then if someone is interested in that, then I have permission to kind of speak more for, for a few moments on that.
2: Hmm. And it's not rare that I'll be seeing a patient, even an adolescent or someone that, that their disease really is hopelessness. Mm. Um, and for most of those folks, I wouldn't hesitate to share, my personal hope is in Christ. Mm. You know. And I wish I had a pill that could give you that kind of hope because mm. that's priceless. But that's not the reality. And so sometimes that will open doors and sometimes it's just a faith flag. Mm. Um, other times, I'm dealing with folks that are really suffering a lot They've been through, you know, 20 surgeries and their back still doesn't feel any better, that kind of thing. Um, I won't hesitate to at least throw out there that that Scripture states that our bodies will be transformed mm-hmm. in Philippians, that mm-hmm. that is our hope, regardless of how miserable you might be here. There is great hope mm-hmm. if you can believe. Mm-hmm. So there's, and those opportunities every day, opportunity to pray, opportunity to provide somebody a Glimpse of hope, opportunity to give them some perspective mm-hmm. in primary care that comes up over and over again.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, as you guys experience this in in the medical world, how would you encourage? How would you encourage people of Sun Valley Church, um, you know, who may not have the same, you know, opportunities as you guys do, but yet they still have opportunities in in their workplaces, you know they work with people who have real issues, real problems, real struggles. How would you encourage them to be um uh faithful in their areas of work to to present Christ to to glory in in the gospel of Jesus Christ to with their coworkers? If that makes sense.
1: I think I would you know first listen to them really well and Um, I think once, you know, when you listen well, you have more of a platform to speak from. You have more of an audience Um, and uh, kind of relate to that as much as you can relate to to scriptures um, and point people to their hope um, that's in scripture. And
2: whenever you can relate again to say that, you know, I've been there or even I had a patient that's been there. I had a family member that's been there and what brought them through. Best of all, was their hope in Christ. Was their belief in Scripture. And let me let's open the Word. I mean, I've got a couple of Bibles back in my office, you know, and pulling one of those out, um, it really makes my day a better day when we can point somebody to the truth, mm-hmm. um, to the truth, the light that enlightens shadows in this world is all about lies and and hopelessness, and to be able to shine a light on that even makes for a better day. These are great things
0: to be thinking about. And I appreciate, I appreciate you two coming in and, and sharing your insight into a world that most of us don't really know. Um, I know for sure that I don't, <laughs> I don't know it. So. <laughs> um, but sharing your insight into, into that community of, of, you know, m- medical knowledge and and how you work through that as as believers, um, it's really really fascinating. So thank you
2: for for coming in and sharing that with us. I would like to mention um, what you just made me think of too is that that part of our witness is being the most excellent physicians we can be, mm. right? Mm. So we don't want to be lazy. We don't want to be slackers. We want to be mm-hmm. as up to date as possible in terms of the state of the art, mm. um, and in so doing, we glorify God. Mm. In our vocation, we glorify God,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that goes for
0: for everything. You know, being the best plumber we could be, being the best electrician, and
2: all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. Wash my hands at least once a week. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> so bad. <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh well, thank you, Joe and Dave, uh, for coming in and, and sharing with us. We appreciate it very welcome.
1: Hey, you're welcome. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Church, we love you. Uh, We look forward to being with you this Sunday and next week on The Voice of the Valley. Have a great day.